and your Amsasia podcast. Yo, pick your red up because things ain't that bad. Maybe you should switch the target that you're aiming at. Believe perfection is a beast that they'll never catch. So never waste another day because life moves so fast. And a dream without pursuing, though they never last. Another shadow of regret I try to never cast. And always tell a truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Hello, this is the fifth episode of the Endurance Asia podcast. I'm Scott Pugh. And this week, we've got Abby Manu Shunmagam, or Abby, he's, he's very, very well known here in Singapore and, uh, and actually across Asia. Abby is an employee of the, uh, of the Gurkha police force here in, in Singapore, and he is also an impressive ultra runner with some really, really tough races under his belt. He's a, a double survivor of the Hong Kong Four Trails. He has just got back from running the, the Dragon's Back in, in Wales, which is known as one of the hardest multi-stage foot races in the world. It's up there with, uh, with MDS, Marathon de Sable and the like. Uh, Abby is really, really well known here in, in Singapore and uh, uh, in, in the ultra running community. And he's just a beast. Like he is honestly a really, really strong, strong runner, both from a mental perspective and physical and so, yeah, this week we uh, we caught up with Abby straight off, like, a, yeah, fresh off the boat from, from Wales, uh, or the flight, should I say, and we dig deep into uh, his experience within uh, r- running the uh, the Dragon's Back, and it, it was a roller coaster ride um, by, the, by the sounds of it. But yeah, really, really top dude. Rick and I uh, interviewed together for, for the first time down uh, on the East Coast. Beautiful setting there. And it was, uh, yeah, quite, quite quintessential for, for Singapore uh, in terms of the setting. And it really enjoyed it, really enjoyed our chat and, uh, and looking forward to, to you guys hearing it and, and breaking it down with Rick after. So here is Abby. Tell the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Abby. Yo. Yo. <laughs> it's good to have you on the Endurance Asia podcast. Thanks for coming and joining us. Thanks, man. It's good to be here. Yeah, we're in a great little setting. We're on the East Coast. Uh, it's a good spot, surrounded by runners. We've got the uh, Sundown Marathon that's going to be kicking off. Uh, it's actually, t- it kicks off tomorrow. Tomorrow night, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, so yeah, so pleased to have you come and uh, come and join the podcast, mate. You're, we had the the queen of uh, ultra running in uh, in oh, Singapore no. just the other week with Jerry Chua. We now got the king no, of ultra running. No, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but yeah, you've had a crazy <laughs> year so far, right? You've had an absolutely crazy year. Yeah, I had. I mean, I mean, survived Hong Kong Four Trail. And uh, did the dragons back, and then I got one more big one coming in October. You've got another big one, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I, I think we we'd met before in uh, in Singapore, and I think you guys had um, yeah. had met when Jim's Wolseley were in town, yeah. Rick, Rick yep. and uh, and you had met. Um, but uh, but yeah, we've uh, I, we saw you on the four trails on, on multiple occasions. But but I was so keen to to get <laughs> to meet with you this week because you're fresh off the back of, yeah, uh, of Dragons Back. So yeah, yeah. so we, I mean, let's should we start with Dragons Back and then yeah, we can we can rerun the clock a bit. But you're 
you're what now five days out from finishing or no, a week i guess it was friday yeah, was week, the last about day week, about a week yeah um so talk us through it a little bit so you when did you first hear about the race what was it that okay, attracted you to it i heard about this race two years ago and then did a bit of background check and i found out that the first race that was held was in 1992 okay supported by the uh, british army and then the next one if i'm not wrong was held in 2012 after that 2015 2017 yeah. and then 2019 so this is the fifth edition and this is this is the the burger house dragons bat race yeah, they, they bill it as the what do they say that the hardest toughest toughest multi-stage ultra in the in the world in the world mm-hmm. and is it's it? a, it's a race that runs sort of along the spine of wales yeah correct so you uk so you run through the spine of uh conway wales run through all the major mountains okay i can't seem to pronounce some of the welsh name i remember bricken black mountains penny farm uh, Grip Gorge, that was the epic. Yeah, you do Snowden as well, yeah, don't Snowden. you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we do yeah. Snowden, Bricken. So this is the epic. So one of my friends who registered together with me, he panicked like a couple of days before the race and then decided to Google toughest multi-stage races and then he went through the list and then he realised number one was Dragon's Bag. And then yeah. he said, yeah, mate, we sign up for this, let's get it done. And so on that list would be Marathon de Sable, yep, the four deserts. Yep. Um, uh, there was one in Iceland as well, I think. I can't remember what is it called. Okay. Yeah, it's not the one where you swim and run, is it? No, There's no, a crazy one. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I was there when we when we went running with Jim Wormsley, and yeah. I think one of the guys you told one of the guys you're doing Dragon's Back, and I think he thought you meant that Kong. section of the Hong Kong Trail that <laughs> yeah. you were building up to a big 10k, yeah. kind of knocking off the end of Hong Kong Trail. But uh, no, it's very different. So yeah, what attracted me to it was that when I did a bit of homework on the trails, on the, on the Dragon's Back, I realized none of the, no Singaporeans has ever done it before. So I'm usually attracted to those kind of stuff where no Singaporeans have, has ever contemplated or ever did it before. And also it's rated as one of the toughest ultra in the world. So I'm kind of attracted to those kind of stuff and not many people have completed where the DNF rates are very high and not many Singaporeans have completed and it's, it's the toughest one. So I decided to put my name and see how it goes. Yeah. And uh, was that the first time you'd been racing in the UK, in Europe, or what, what's first your experience time in over the UK. there? First time in the UK. I've raced in Europe before. I did my TDS a um, couple okay. of years back. So in Europe and UK, yeah, that's the first time. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so that, that kicked off on, that was five days starting on the Monday. Yeah. And uh, talk us through it. So, so first okay. day was... First day, everybody gathers at the castle. Conway Castle, beautiful place. And then you got the Welsh uh, choir singing. And then we had the 2017 Martin Sconey coming, giving us a motivational speech. And then we saw a Singapore flag flying up at top of the castle. Amongst the other flag, it was on the top. And then we said, that's a sign, man. <laughs> you know, we got to fly the flag high. <laughs> and then went off with the start. But the start, does, the start doesn't start once you're off the, once you exit the castle. You need to get out of the castle. I think about two kilometers out where you where you where you where you put in your spot in then I then into a chip and then that it and then it starts off and then you're off to a roaring start. So the way it starts is they always encourage the slower runners to take the front while the faster runners are at the back. So because it creates a huge jam along the castle walls. So you said you said just before we started talking there was about four hundred something people. Yeah, we started off with about four hundred and ninety-nine people. By the end of five days, we had about 210 or 207 people. Wow, yeah. so it was uh, it got chipped away at over those five days. Yeah. So day, day one, you said, was one of the harder days? Yeah, day one is one of the hardest days because there's a lot of technical climbing, a lot of rocks, boulders. So especially after the first support point, we had to go up to Grip Gorge. 
Yeah, that was epic, man. I mean, it was epic. Grip Gorge. If you've seen some of the videos up there, but I was excited because I read so much about Grip Gorge. I was excited to go up there and see what is this Grip Gorge all about. And so, what's the terrain underfoot? Is it really rocky? It's, it's rocky. It's yeah. rocky. And some part, some parts of the trail you had to do like practically on your hands and feet and. You're climbing, rock climbing. And how, so how are you feeling at this point? Are you thinking, okay, I've, um, this, is, this is what I thought it was going to be. I'm ready for this. Or are you thinking, I haven't trained for this kind of terrain? That thought didn't occur to me. I was okay. just excited to be there. Yeah. And uh, I was just going at a pace where I'm very comfortable. Just enjoying myself on the technical trails. I kind of enjoy running on technical trails. So that I felt a sense of fulfillment going up there. And, and then I said, well, I'm here. Yeah. I'm at the moment just savor the moment and then enjoy the trails yeah mm. and so th so the first day finishes what sort of time are you looking at how, how long are you on your feet for in the first about day about 10 hours and 20 minutes okay so the my my strategy for each day was between 10 to 30 hours because before the race start i set a target of 50 hours okay so i said yeah. 50 hours that's the target time i want to set so first day i hit about 10 30 because the last section i said i need to slow down a bit so i slowed down i ran with a couple of uh, uk guys just chatting with them and then we finished together yeah, so second day was equally tough, but slightly longer. Elevation gain was about 3,000 plus. What was the cutoff um, on each day then? So it's a 6 a.m. start every okay, morning? So first day, we start at 7 a.m. Okay. And the cutoff is 2,300 hours. Got so you. After that is a 6 a.m. start and then 2,300 hours. So the later you finish each day, the earlier you get to start. However, you're given, you are given the option to start earlier or later, up to you. Yeah. Yeah. And do they? How do they stagger it? Because obviously they can't have everyone going off. So they, exactly they the have a they have a system where they have already calculated all the split and timing. So based on that, they give you a recommended start time. So okay. if you're coming in about 12, 13 hours, usually recommended start time is about 6 a.m. Okay. Yeah. So if you're coming in like 10 hours, they'll tell you, okay, you can start about 8 to 9. God. Yeah. And what what was the sort of level of competition like? When you are you watching a lot of guys go past you? Or are you feeling pretty confident about your? A level of your fitness or yeah, yeah i was pretty confident I, mean, I can't compare myself with the elites elites were crazy the way they were running it was phenomenal but but i was pretty confident in my level of fitness the amount of training that i put in that i can actually maintain a pace between 10 to 10 30 hours every day yeah yeah and equipment and nutrition were holding up at this point you were everything was fine yeah everything was fine i was on tailwind and yum butter that was my two stuff that i was uh, depending on yeah they, 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 and then i had amino vital as well that I took halfway at the support point. I didn't depend on any solid fuels. It's just these two items. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they work pretty well during Hong Kong Four Trail. So I just, yeah, just uh, use and them as well. Yeah, and, and obviously a bit of a different challenge to Four Trail. So yeah, self-supported, long kind of longer distance, no breaks at, at, at Four Trails. Yeah. And this is a this is your first stage. Your first yeah, stage my race? very first stage multi-stage. So it's interesting because so. The conversation I had with my friend was that, you know, multi-stage, at least you get to rest every day, have a good meal every night, and then have a good rest, and then you start. But the one thing we were mentally prepared for is the effect that it will have every day on your body when you wake up in the morning. So my effects was not so pronounced. I didn't have much muscle soreness or everything, so which was pleasantly surprised. So every day I just kept going and going and going. And for, for a multi-stage, were you getting in every night and did you have like a specific routine that you'd set out for yourself? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you're like, get in, just change, shower straight away, get some food in straight away. What sort of routine so did you have? So the routine was pretty standard. So come in, drink tons of water, get into my tent, change into dry clothes, no shower, no shower, wet wipes. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> the rivers were too cold for me to get shower. <laughs> so wet, wipe, wet wipes and then change into dry clothes, have a meal, just chill out for a while, chat with the people up there, you know, 
and then there's a they had an interesting feature where there's a, there's a thing called dragon's mail so where so uh, you go to the front counter you scan your barcode all the mails comes out whoever your friends were monitoring you supporting you so that was the highlight of the night and then yeah. i'll just wait in the tent for my friend to come back and then by the time he arrives i'm already fast asleep so the morning routine is the same get up uh pack up your sleeping bag everything pack into your big uh camp bag it's called a camp bag you're given 60 liters to so stuff everything in and then put on your gears have your breakfast and then off you go are you allowed phone while you're yeah, racing yeah uh, just yeah. mandatory items it, it is okay it is, it yeah, is. yeah 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 because there's obviously quite a, a navigational part yep. of it right it's not a marked trail it's at all. Marked and marked. actually it's it's both not not marked but there's just so many different routes you can go yeah. over many of these fells yeah. right so um yeah how did you go about sort of planning your routes on the maps for each day were you and, and both beforehand and actually were when you were at the race so beforehand they they provide the map um on a gpx file and also is able you're able to download it on your phone under view ranger so i studied the map quite a bit yeah but on the map the routes are on the phone the uh, you don't know which one are the mandatory routes or recommended routes because in each day you're given mandatory routes that means it's a compulsory route that you must take usually is a main traffic road once you're you've cleared that then you're given a recommended route so yeah. those routes are slightly longer and then you can actually if you have plotted the map correctly you can take other short routes so the first two days i was pretty safe i was trying to understand the whole concept of this then third day onwards then i plotted on my map certain deviations and then i just followed uh based on my map reading skills and everything on compass and uh and I took some shortcuts along the way by the way and the the checkpoints of the summits you have yeah. to hit them to, yeah. to 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 make it through okay yeah, correct. and every one of the checkpoints is always on a summit uh not everyone there are some on the summit there are some on a fence line and everything like the first day coming towards the end I actually missed one checkpoint so <laughs> the organizer told me I got two options one option is to get back and get a click on the checkpoint or you take a one strike I say how many strikes am I allowed? I say I'm allowed three strikes. I say fine, I'll take the strike. <laughs> so I didn't want to go back five minutes. Yeah, and it didn't affect times no, or anything. No, it's just that. Affect times. Okay. So it's a very interesting concept. I kind of enjoy the concept yeah. because there's no marking. Yeah. You're purely based on navi- your navigational skills. So it's like pretty much in the army. You know, you go back to basics, yeah. navigate your way through the terrain. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we, sorry, we can come on to the army background in a minute. But yeah. so, I mean, the, just the experience of being out there. Are you are you on your own a lot of the time, or is it just there's enough people there that you kind of you've always got other people around you or in sight? Uh, there are quite a number of people. Okay. Quite a number. Uh, only from third day onwards, when the numbers were lesser, the the the, the crowd was spread out. You were lesser people on. But the I guess field. You, you don't know if they're going the right way either. Yeah, so you yeah. you can't. You have to kind of. I mean, a couple of times yourself. people got lost. I, I deviated a bit. There are some kind souls behind me. Mate, wrong world. Come back here. And I said, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then, so it's five days. So then, you, so, uh, you know, at any point did you think you might not finish? Or was oh, you yeah, just... Oh, yeah, yeah, we come, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So third day, I was running on a, on a good pace. I thought third day would be my, you know, day where I will go below 10 hours kind of pace. Because I hit the support point, which was about 30-odd K at about seven hours plus. So I was quite happy because the remaining... I had about 20 odd k and two big mountains to climb. Yeah. I thought, well done. So there was a petrol kiosk along the way. So that's I a bad. That's a bad sign, by the way, when you start feeling happy with how you're getting yeah. on. But yeah. So petrol kiosk along the way. A lot of them got in, buy some, bought some food, and so I decided to stop in. Bought myself a coke, drank a coke. Then I realized I couldn't finish the coke, so I threw it away. Went up to the checkpoint, started eating my stuff, and there was a big hill up there. Started climbing the hill, everything came out. Oh, so no. I started to vomit. I thought, mm, this doesn't look good. 
So someone along the way saw me, I can't remember the lady's name, she gave me some pills to uh, to curb the vomiting that I, I experienced. Then I said, let me just take about 10-15 minutes walk and then I'll get back my momentum. And so I walked about 15 minutes and I never got back. And I was miserable. So I walked for about almost about two hours, I sat down there and that moment was my lowest moment. I wanted to quit. I wanted to stop because I knew I had two big hills to climb and I said, I won't be able to do this. And is, is that, have you experienced that in other races no, before? It was first the first time. time. It was the first time. Then what happened was, I just composed myself and I, a fellow Hong Konger, Alan Lee, he walked past me. I said, okay, he's going at a nice slow pace. Maybe I just follow him, walk slowly. And I just started, started to walk slowly. I finished the first hill. I said, okay, I'm feeling all right. Then the second hill, I said, okay, I'm feeling pretty good now. And then I realized after the second hill, based on the map, it's pretty gentle, down slope. And I started to run, I started to overtake quite a number of people. So that day I finished about 12 hours. So way off my mark, but still happy to finish in one piece. And do you know what it was? What caused the... I suspect it's the coke because my stomach was empty. Yeah. And I think the acidity of the coke would have caused it. Yeah, interesting. I didn't, yeah. I didn't stop there. So I went back to the camp, wanted to eat some food. So I ate some food, everything came out again. So that night I slept on an empty stomach. So the following day I had breakfast, a bit of breakfast, went out to run again, and I started to vomit again. So it's just horrible. What, what were you thinking that night when you went to sleep on an empty stomach? And yeah, I how, yeah. I said, I should be all right because of a day's rest. I should be all right. You know, stomach should be settled. In the morning when I woke up, I said, okay, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good today. Should be a good day for me. So let's have, so when I started to eat food, I didn't warm it out immediately. So I, I, th I thought, okay, should be good. So I just went out of there and then vomit again. Oh. It was just horrible. So that day, the only food I was surviving on was a tailwind. And were you able to run or were you... Yeah, were you I was able to run, but I couldn't okay. meet the 10.30. I did about 10.47 on the day. I was still able to run. My legs were okay. It's just the body, yeah, just uh, can't ingest any food. And so at so what point were you able to start eating again? Uh, like that evening, you still couldn't? Uh, that evening, so my mate, one of mine, uh, brought instant noodles. Yeah. So I started to eat a bit of instant noodle. And That's like the only, it's like that and chicken soup. Yeah. It's like the only thing you can <laughs> eat when you're feeling yeah. uh, feeling sick. So like that, that seemed to work well. Yeah. So I ate some instant noodle and then I felt good. The following day I had a breakfast. Yeah. Wow. And night, that nightmare didn't stop. On the fifth day I had diarrhea. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it must have been, it definitely wasn't the coke then. You definitely had some uh, yeah, sort saw, of bug. I, could have been the... The, the stream waters. Yeah, know, I was going to say, how were you, were you treating water along yeah, the way? I was in the beginning. Yeah. After that, I got lazy. <laughs> I just drank from the stream. So maybe that's what it was. Shipu. Yeah, that's most so, so, I mean, it sounds like the first two days were technically the harder days. Yeah. But then, then, then personally, you were suffering more through the last three. Yeah. So where, and so where did you end up? So you had the five days you'd aimed for about 50 hours. What was so your I did 54 hours and 16 minutes, something like that, plus minus. Given three days of vomiting and diarrhea, yeah. that's not bad. Yeah, because my last day, I mean, based on my fitness, I would have assumed my last day would have been faster, like below nine hours kind of pace. But nah, never mind. Still, who else did we have out there from Asia? So, uh, did, who one else of my did you friend, hang up? Joshua To. Yeah. And then uh, Malaysian Eugene Eugene Tan Eugene Lim or Eugene Tan, and then Filipino was uh, um, uh, JJ Lee. Yeah. yeah. And then Hong Konger Alan Lee. Okay, and, and uh, then Diamond, uh, yeah. Mod O'Shea yeah. as well, yeah, from yeah. Hong Kong. Yeah. yeah, how did they all get on? Uh, they got on, got on well. My friend got on pretty well. Second day, he had a sprained ankle, but he still managed to finish it well. Yeah. Uh, Alan That's Lee. Joshua. Yeah, Joshua yeah. too. 
a fellow runner as well. Yeah. Uh, the others okay, not too bad. They so all finished though, yeah, right? Yeah, they all finished. Yeah, and yeah. Just, just for reference, what was the what was the winning time? Thirty-seven hours plus. Okay. Wow. Done by a Canadian, first time ever, and he set the record. Thirty-seven. Yeah. So. And I and a Canadian had he actually trained on the route at yeah, all? Yeah, he, he had. He did. He did. Yeah, yeah. I saw him running. Oh. Yeah. Impressive. Very impressive. What was so impressive about him? They just keep pounding up the hills. There's no relent. They are just relentlessly putting one foot in front of the other, running up the hills. Yeah. And the pace every day is about seven hours plus on the those kind of terrains. It's very impressive, especially the first two days. Running seven hours plus on the first two days is yeah bloody impressive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, is it a race you'd recommend to people? Yes. Yeah. I recommend because it's it's one that pushes you through the limit both physically and mentally in terms of the terrain that you're exposed to. Yeah, what would you say was the hardest part of it? Obviously, there's a fair amount of elevation, but what would your advice be to anyone that wanted to go and tackle it? I reckon be mentally prepared for the unexpected weather changes. We were very lucky. The weather was nice and warm. Yeah, it was beautiful skirt. weather yeah, all beautiful week, Because previous years the weather has been nasty. Yeah. Because on the day we left uh, Conway to go back to London, the weather was nasty. Yeah. So I think just be prepared mentally. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of, I mean, we can talk a bit more about your training in a yeah. minute. But had you done anything specific for training? Yeah, I did. I changed the way I trained. I engaged a coach. Okay. Uh, finally, I decided to have a coach from CTS. Yeah. So I decided to have a coach. So the coach changed the way I trained. So she did a lot more. So my, I used to train six days a week. She compressed it to five days a week, uh, in line with the five-day stage race. And mm. I, I did a lot more steady state run. Okay. Uh, so weekdays were one and a half hour recovery, one and a half hour, and weekends were longer runs. And it was time-based in, instead of volume-based training. I think that benefited me a lot. So, so time-based, but was there any? Were you doing it by heart rate at all? Or no, was it just pace? Based, uh, based on how I feel. Feel, yeah. Effort. Yeah, that's and what what perceived effort were you targeting on those one and a half hour daily runs? So okay, the one and a half hour daily runs were you get about ten minutes warm up, and then a steady state run. Uh, the perceived effort is supposed to be seven, and then okay. five minutes recovery, another steady state run of seven, and then followed by a cool down of an easy effort of four. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. this where I mean maybe we jump into a bit of the training now. Yeah. But where where were you training for this? Is this Macritchie. This is on the trails. At yeah, on the trails. Yeah, on the trails. Bukitima, climbing up the hills. So all my steady state runs. Sometimes I do it in Macritchie on a flat road, undulating slopes. Or I usually, or if I have time, I go up to Bukitima and climb up the slopes, doing the climbing up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so for for, for people who don't know Bukitima well, and, and any any endurance athletes in Singapore will, but that's I think 136 meter. 163. 163. 163 is the summit, but yeah. in terms of the elevation gain, yeah. I suppose coming from the, it depends what side you come yeah. from. But it's what would you say the elevation gain? It's about 140 plus, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think so. But it's still it's still a lot of loops on there to get anything yeah. like the kind of elevation at Dragon's Back. Yeah. So yeah, the total elevation of Dragon's Back over the five days is 16,000 or so. Uh, yeah, plus minus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 16,000. So uh, yeah, they say it's like. 
double. I don't know why everyone uses double the height of Everest because it's a, such an irrelevant stat. Because <laughs> we have to you, know the height of Everest. Well, you in the never, first place. you don't climb Everest from sea level, do you? So right. it's uh, kind of irrelevant. But yeah. um, <laughs> but it, I suppose it's just a way for people to um, to uh, kind of visualise it. I suppose. And then I mean, just to just to wrap up on Dragon's Back. Yeah. So how, how have you felt in the week since you came back? Recovery's been good. Yeah, recovery has been good. Uh, I've been sleeping and eating a lot. Uh, yeah, did you? I can imagine you lost a lot of weight. Yeah, right? I did. I did. I lost almost about four kg. Wow. Yeah, I lost a lot of my muscle mass. So yeah. now I'm just eating, resting. Haven't really ran a lot. Oh, literally haven't run. But yeah, I've been doing a lot of walks with my dog. Hmm. So I just walk long, 20, 30 minutes walk just to get the muscles all going. So probably I'll start training next week just to ease into the system. Yeah, yeah, working up to the next one. So, yeah. so Abby, like taking it back then a little bit, how yeah. did uh, how did it all come about that you got so into ultra running and endurance sports in general? I think it started off in 2012 when I just joined a Gurkha contingent. Uh, before that, I was in the army, so I joined Gurkha contingent. I had a bit of time. You joined what? Sorry, the Gurkha, Gurkha contingent police force. Ah, uh, got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I joined Gurkha contingent police force in 2012. So I had a bit of time. I wanted to do something exciting. I always want to do something exciting. And one of my friends said, shall we do an ultra marathon? I said, sure, why not? So we signed up for the first race, TMBT 100K. So that was my first introduction to ultra marathon. Actually, the going back, it, rewinding a bit more, the first ever 100K we did was when I was in the commandos. We sent up a team to do the Hawksfam Trail Walker. Yeah. I think that was in early 97. In uh, Hong Kong? Hong Kong. So we did 14 hours plus then. Nice. Uh, yeah. So I then stopped, took a long break, put on a lot of weight <laughs> from a skinny old 60, 60 over kg boy, came, became 80 years old, 80 kg, <laughs> and then decided I had to do something. So yeah, so we trained for that and then started doing a bit more ultras from then on. And had you, had you always been a runner? Yeah. Like from, a, from an early age? Yeah, from early age. From, I've always been very sporty since young. Okay. Yeah, I, I just embark on any sports, but running has been the core... Call, call, so call you were sport. you were doing laps in Macritchie for for cross country when yeah. you were at school and yeah I used to represent the school okay. clubs and everything. What yeah. what discipline did you represent school at? Um, uh, is it track or track? Both track and cross country. Yeah. So I used to specialize in five k, steeplechase, and ten k. So cross country I used to do four point eight kilometers. Got you. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then so you obviously would have gone into national service at, at seven seventeen eighteen. Yeah, I got in later. Oh, did you? 21 years old. I had too much fun outside. So he, so, so Were I, you oh, traveling? You or? <laughs> <laughs> I was not traveling. I, w- I was a playful boy. <laughs> I didn't Elaborate study. on that. What <laughs> were you doing, Abby? <laughs> what was I doing? Oh, man. I didn't want to study. I was getting involved in gangs, fights, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, sing- typical Singaporean chap does. So I, got it, I was seriously getting involved in all those shit where get involved in gang fights, drinks. Then I decided I need to stop doing all these things and do something in my life. So I went to pre-university where, you know, pre-university is the path to A-levels then. Yeah. So I went pre-university. I, still, I was still involved in gang fights and everything, but it was lesser. Then one of my friends introduced me to a running club, a Swift running club. It was very popular then. And then I realized I got a knack for running. And then the running took up so much of my time that all the gang stuff slowly dwindled away. So by, by that, by at that stage, I was about 20-something years old. So 21, I got enlisted. And uh, there... When I you mean, say you were in gang stuff, did you ever get like in serious trouble? Were you ever locked up? Were no, you no, ever I never locked up. Got chased by police though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
police then were different as compared to now. <laughs> well, <laughs> At least you, had, you had your running background to get <laughs> yeah, away, I guess. Yeah. Oh, that's when the police wore shorts, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that long ago. <laughs> Yeah, so 21, I got enlisted. Since young, I wanted to become a soldier. Yeah. So 21, I got enlisted. Immediately, I, be- I decided to become a regular. I mean, that's a long story. So I became a regular with the Republic Air Force. And then I stayed there for about two years. And then decided that was not my cup of tea. And then I had another friend who was from Commando introduced to me this call. You know, Abi, why don't you look at this elite group of people who wear black gear and who do storming why didn't you look at that I said sounds interesting let's go look at this and then I looked at their pre-requirement they said you need to do you need to learn you need to know how to swim I said oh crap I can't swim <laughs> I, said, I told him give me a year let me go and train and I'll sort out my swimming my, because I knew my fitness was okay let me sort out my swimming so I went to train out my swimming and then 96 I went for the selection got selected and then 97 I enrolled in the special forces courses for a year wow okay yeah. and what, what did that entail uh, so we do a lot of uh, green role which is a uh, jungle operations yeah. and uh, counter-terrorism operation yeah yeah and and how long was it for uh, one year course okay and it mainly in Singapore yeah, or you had overseas post couple of always uh, no overseas posting but the course is run in Singapore and uh, Thailand and Brunei yeah. So the whole one year course culminates in a four and a half days of a hell week, which is synonymous to Navy SEALs course. Yeah. yeah. So we go through that. So that was my toughest time, four and a half days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so does, does that now then, like all the ultras that you're doing, just just nothing can compare to that hell nah, week or is it? Yeah, after I finish this, that's interesting questions. After I finish this course, run Dragon's Back, somebody actually did ask me. I think it's different. It's different. In, uh, in the hell week, you are in a team. If you give up, your team suffers. Okay. If you slack off, your team suffers. In an ultra, when you give up, only you suffer. So you yeah. have an option. But the in temptation a hell week, that, yeah. yeah, in a in a, in in the hell week, you don't have the te- you have the temptation, but you don't usually want to give up. And it's hell week. You are constantly put in a mental and physical evolutions. You know, you're constantly wet, harassed, tortured. You're carrying load. It's just constant harassment. It's different. Yeah, yeah so but it sets your mind to be very strong. Yeah, there must be a lot of pressure at that point on physical fitness and and the training. Does that do you think you, that was when you were probably the fittest you've ever been, or have you you've, you've carried on your training ever since? So it's. I think that's the fittest I've ever been. Yeah. Yeah. Just the kind of multidiscipline. Yeah. Multidiscipline. I mean, in terms of strength, anaerobic uh, aerobic fitness and everything. What sort of training were you doing then? When I was in SOF. Well, yeah. Yeah. I was a when, <laughs> before you were going through Hell Week. <laughs> so Hell Week is the end, is the yeah, culmination of it, right? Laugh when I say this. So when I graduated from Hell Week, I became a diving platoon commander. <laughs> from a guy who <laughs> having swim swim. Years early. Yeah. So I became a diving platoon commander. So within the Special Forces group, diving platoons are known to be the best because you need to be able to dive and at the same time do all the physical activities. Any of this stuff challenging. Can you imagine diving up here, swimming against current and then hitting a ship and then climbing and then doing storming. Yeah, so those kind of stuff. Yeah, I used to do those kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. okay. And uh, and were you doing much running or training when you were yeah, uh, when you were doing bit, that? Quite a bit, but as part of uh, just uh, recreational, or no, was it part, part of, the, of training. the training? Yeah, yeah, part yeah. Of the training. Yeah. Part of the sure overall fitness training. I'm sure you were training with heavy packs yeah. on. And yeah. uh, what part of Singapore were you roaming around? Was it? I suppose you're, you're not able to say. No, or is it, it around the west? Uh, uh, east, uh, uh, Changi area, Changi Hendon Camp. Okay. Uh, commandos. 
Yeah. Yeah. We were housed in the commandos. Yeah. Still there. Yeah. I can say that openly, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and then how long did you after how long did you spend in uh in the forces for? Uh I spent about five years there. But because of my rank and everything I had it I had to be posted up. Yeah. But then at the same time I got an opportunity to study overseas. So yeah. under a scholarship. So after that, about two year two thousand, uh, I got a scholarship to study in Australia for three years. So that's when I became from a skinny old boy to a, a fat old <laughs> fat man. <laughs> <laughs> My mum couldn't recognize me when she saw me when I came back. <laughs> Whereabouts in Australia, were uh, you? Brisbane. Okay. Yeah, beautiful place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So studied, came back, and then back to reality again. I was desk bound. I got desk bound job. I was getting very bored with my desk bound job for a couple of years, and then sometime in 2009, I got the opportunity to cross over to the Gurkha contingent. I took up the opportunity and never looked back. So from 2009 until 2010, I've been working with the Gurkha contingent under Singapore Police Force. And how does it? Yeah, what what does your current role entail? So currently, I'm a wing commander. Wing commander is like a battalion commander. So I got a man. Uh, I got a group of men who are about 400 in size. So I manage them, command them, and lead them. That's my current job scope. Wow. Yeah. And they are all fully enlisted, yeah. or rather than um, yeah, they're they're not because obviously in uh, we still have national service in Singapore. So they're not people that come in for just no, uh, no, two no, weeks no. every year. They're no, four, no. Or 400 fully yeah. enlisted. Wow. Yeah, fully enlisted. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, are, you, are you teaching fitness? Or sorry, not teaching. Are you kind of putting them through physical no, training? Or? No, 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 I don't. Okay. I don't. I'm more on the leadership role. Okay. So the fitness part is done by some other guys. Yeah. 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 You still get involved? Yeah. Sometimes Or I do get involved. Sometimes I, but I always try to take a step back and let the guys on the ground run the training. Yeah. And what what is what are all of your team think about you and all your exploits? I think running? they are quite inspired by me whenever. They hear about my adventures. Some of them are keen to take part. So I know some of them went back. So every year they get to go back Nepal for their leave. So some yeah. of them do take part in some of the. So they're all Nepalese. I know yep. it's the Gurkhas, but they're not Singaporean. No, no. Ah, oh, interesting. So okay. we have a group of Singaporeans to manage and look after them. Yeah. But bulk of it is all Nepalese. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So like I was saying, so some of them go back to Nepal, take part in uh, ultra marathons. Yeah, I've seen. I had a friend who was who was. Uh, Uh, I don't know what his rank was, but it was a, a, a British guy who was yeah. working with the Gurkhas here, oh. and uh, we'd go running together at Macritchie, and you'd quite often see the Gurkhas there yeah, yeah, yeah. doing doing laps on their days off. And yeah. that's uh, really close by Apollo Junior, yeah. just down the road. Yeah, yeah, interesting, yeah, interesting lifestyle there because he was living on the base. Yeah, um, correct. Yeah. So currently, I'm living on the base. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, the, the one of the perks of the job is I get to go to Nepal every year. Right. So I spend about a month up in Nepal doing recruitment. So as part of the job. I love, I love to run, so I explore all the trails up there. Amazing! So you can get some good altitude training. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this August, I'm heading up there, so I'm planning a like a ten day fast pack with my friends. That's right. And cool. uh, do you do the recruiting out there as yeah, well? Yeah, do you I head do. out to Nepal to do recruiting? Yeah, I do. And what? Yeah. <laughs> and what? What are you looking for? Because I think I've seen I, a video or something. You actually put them <laughs> through pretty um, rigorous training. They have to do loads of pull ups no, and loads are, of. Just a I mean, if you look at the British Army, we follow the same standard as the British Army because yeah. we work together with with the British Army to select the Nepalese. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm not going to go into too much of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's great podcast material. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so, so 2012 was your first, and what what persuaded you to do the TMBT um, 100? What was it that why why was it that one that captured you? Because I mean, there's been quite a few ultras in Singapore, just some of the like 50k ones. Yeah, I, I never liked the idea of racing in Singapore. Yeah, because you've done all the trails yeah, back to back. Yeah, done all the and, trails, and yeah. then you know, getting back on the same trail, you see the same things, and I always find that Singapore trails are very crowded. So I thought. Well, uh, based on time, at that time, not many ultras were around within Asia. We realized, okay, let's do TMBT. Sounds interesting. Looks like we can get a glimpse of uh, uh, Kinabalu. Um, and a couple of Singaporean friends were heading up there as well. So I said, okay, let's do this. And that's one of the, that's, that's the most beautiful thing, ultra, that's in, uh, in near Kinabalu in September. That's one of the longest standing ultras in Asia, isn't it? Yeah, it's been yeah, around it a while. It is. Yeah. Yeah, we're actually, uh, we're uh, both doing it in September, actually. We're going to be covering it on the podcast yeah, as well. Yeah, we, we ran it last year. Uh, I think Mount Kinabalu is just such an iconic, I mean, we've got it as our logo, but it's such an iconic mountain. Mm. And it's very, uh, especially in Southeast Asia, it's one of the highest in yeah. Southeast Asia. Um, but it's a beautiful trail race that just around the foothills, you just got the view of Mount Kinabalu the, pretty much the whole way, right? Yeah, it is, it is. Yeah, so that was my first one. I mean, uh, Aman, the uh, organizer, Aman Sindhu is a brilliant guy. He used to be a runner, yeah. but then he's down with heel, heel, yeah, heel health not, and everything. Yeah, he's pretty sick, isn't he's it? Like Klaus sick. has taken over yeah, quite yeah, a bit yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, how did you get on with it in that first year? Oh, I, I did 18 hours. Okay, yeah, solid. Not yeah. too bad. <laughs> not too bad. But I suffered though, because I mean, I haven't run... My first venture was uh, 100k. I didn't do marathons or 50k. I just jumped straight into 100k. So I wore shoes to uh, normally wear for road running size not a you know usually wear for ultra marathon half a size bigger yeah. one size bigger so I suffered wearing a Salomon shoe and you lost your nails did yeah, you I did, I did exactly the same thing yeah. in a pair of Salomon uh, they just because they're quite closed at the yeah. front aren't they and they yeah. just uh, yeah they just shred your toes yeah but somehow or other after that I got addicted to ultra marathon so from then on I never looked back you must have finished pretty high up in the field with 18 hours yeah of I, I can't remember just yeah. Can't yeah, yeah yeah so then from there what did you go on and do after that uh, Lantau 100 I did Lantau 100 again I did about the Translantau uh, Translantau yeah uh, I did 18 hours I think yeah yeah 18 hours plus then up that year I did uh, TDS TDS was a fluke actually which one's TDS? TDS, the uh, part of UTMB. Okay. Yeah. And that's like, what is that, uh, 120 One or something? 120, yeah. Yeah, okay. Did about so 7,000 plus. Okay, so you've got Triple C is the 100, yeah. and then TDS, and then, then UTMB. UTMB. Got they you, say yeah. I, I, TDS doesn't get as much publicity as the others, but they say it's sort of wilder trails, are like yeah. slightly more remote. And more tougher. It's tougher, is it? Okay. Yeah, apparently, apparently. I say this because when I sign up for TDS, I didn't realize it was 120 and um, at that kind of elevation yeah. gain. I said I didn't want to do the 100 because I've already done 100. I didn't qualify for the 100 miler. So I said I had no other options. Let's do TDS. <laughs> so when I went to Europe, some of my friends said, hey, do you know that what you sign up for is rated tougher than UTMB? I said, oh, thank you very much for telling me now. <laughs> but I was, yeah, it is tougher. The climbs are very steep. Climbs are and very steep. And how did you, how did you, what, so what year was that? That was sort of 2013 or 14 or something? No, 2014, I think. Okay. 2014. And how did you get on? Ah, I did 24 hours, I think. 24, 23 hours. I think so. Thereabouts. And did you did you feel as you were doing each of these races, you were getting stronger, smarter about what you were doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really becoming smarter. I didn't pick choose. I did not pick races stupidly anymore. I, I started to pick races smarter or smartly. 
So I suppose then, because you had the points from TMBT and yeah. from Translantel, and then you're like, oh, hold on oh. a second, I've got UTMB points. Was that what motivated yeah, you to good. then go and do it? Yeah, and then I did a STY as well. Then they had STY in oh, Japan. That's the, the UTMF, a UTMF sister race, isn't it? Yeah, UTMF sister race. I think now they've got no more UT- STY. Yeah, that was a nice race. It was cold, though, very cool, extremely cool. Yeah. And so that was twenty, yeah, twenty twelve into twenty thirteen. Yeah. What, uh, what, uh, what did you have go? Yeah, what was next? What was next on the twenty thirteen was STY, I think STY. Yeah. Then I can't remember. Can't remember what else I did twenty thirteen. Yeah, yeah. And then th- this idea that you said of looking for races that I, you know, th- whether well, something new about them, like y- you hadn't done them before, obviously, but perhaps no Singaporean had done them before. Is it, is that something that kind of came? Later on. Later on, you started yeah. to looking for, for new challenges. It came on because I was feeling, I was getting a bit more experience, getting a bit more confident in the way I could handle myself out in the ultras, and getting stronger as well. And then I realized I, I, I developed a knack for climbing and descending. So I said, maybe I should go a different way, find races but that were slightly different and harder. Where, where did that come from, do you think? And was it, was that linked to the training you were doing or...? Maybe from the way I, w- I was brought up, because yeah. I wasn't brought up in an urban city area. I was brought up in a kampong, okay. in a Jalang Ulu Sambawang. So I, I just run barefoot along the, on the grass patch and everything. I, I was not fearful of falling down, getting cuts and everything. I guess that I developed that, that from yeah. the way young. Yeah. Yeah. So moving in... Al- yeah, moving into sort of 2014, 2015. Okay. I forget what, what was the yeah. What was your sort of plan in terms of uh, choosing races after after that point? So, yeah, so I, 20, yeah, 2014, 2015. I did H1. Yeah. Again, same same philosophy. Again. That's, H1 is hardcore 100, hardcore 100 in uh, in Philippines, Philippines 100 miler, right? 100 miler. So that was my first 100 miler. Again, the selection criteria was same because I knew previous years none of the Singaporeans had completed. So I wanted to find a Singaporean flag again, and I wanted to choose a miler with about 10,000 plus elevation gain. That would have been your first miler as well, right? Yeah. So within Asia, that's the only one that had a miler with a 10,000 meter plus elevation gain. So I said, okay, let's do that. So I trained pretty hard for that and then went and completed it. I think came in 12 or 11. And that is a, I mean, obviously it was was two weekends ago, wasn't it? And it was a tough race, right? What, how did you find it? Tough, because the cutoffs are very tough. It's 40 hours. Yeah. 40 hours for a 100 miler with 10,000 plus elevation is tough yeah. you're just constantly on the move on the move no time for you to take a break <laughs> yeah it's yeah. tough and the, the, I remember the first that year when we did the marking, markings were very bad so I got lost pretty badly because some of the villagers shifted the markings and everything there was no GPX file uh, but still managed to survive that yeah yeah and, yeah. and uh, that year was it was there a lot of people signed up for it it yeah. must have been yeah there was still yeah, there was really a lot uh, that year a lot of people signed up for it I think that year Jerry Alex Ko hey, Alex Ang and a few more other Singaporeans completed yeah 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 it was yeah, a wonderful yeah, yeah. year yeah yeah it was amazing seeing uh, how many amazing runners yeah. DNF that race it's yeah. got a very high rate isn't high it rate, not yeah. just the cutoffs but just the, I, I think it's the amount of elevation yeah, as well I suspect because the climbs are long, yeah. long and continuous, and some parts of it are very steep. And if you stop to take a break, it just takes up of your time. You just got to constantly move, 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 move. Yeah. 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 So I think a lot of people make the mistake of stopping during a climb, you know, trying to catch their breath. Either that, or they don't have not trained sufficiently for the race. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
or underestimate the risk. And, and that's actually it. How do you, living in Singapore, which is pretty much flat as a pancake, obviously we talked about Bukatima where you can get in 100 odd metres of vert every, every summit, but you've just been stomping the trails around Bukatima to, to train for all of these uh, all of these ultras over the years? Yeah. I think my philosophy of training has been always consistent. I believe in strength training. I do a lot of a CrossFit that involve um, explosive movement, big movement like squats, deadlift, those kind of big movement. I supplement, uh, the CrossFit supplements my running. And um, over the years, I've, I've changed my running. When I initially started off my running, I do a lot of hard runs. Every run was a hard run. Every yeah. run I push, 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 push. And then as I grew older, I said, I can't sustain this because I got a lot of injury. I tore my calf muscle, tore my Achilles. I remember one year I did the uh, Ultra Trail Australia. Just four weeks before the race, I tore my calf muscle. So I, I, I went to do some injections to get it recovered. It recovered in time, but I DNF the race because <laughs> I had an ITB injury. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So over the years, I've, I've modified my turn training to to take it slow and steady. When it's time to push hard, I push. When it's time to hold hold back, I just hold back and take it easy. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and so what, what does a what does a typical week look like now? So obviously you said you modified it a little bit for for Dragon's Back. Yeah. You're doing five days rather than six. But how are you mixing in the how many times a week are you doing CrossFit? How many runs are you going for? So when, when I was training for Dragon's Back, I, I cut away my CrossFit because I realized I couldn't complement both cannot complement each other it, it takes a toll when you're doing crossfit i'm quite competitive with crossfit as well so i said i cut away crossfit i just focus on my running so during a typical week for the training was uh, one heart one recovery heart and then uh, friday is a rest day saturday sundays are my long long run days and usually saturday sundays are, it involves a lot of climbing as well and what's what's long for you then training for a race like that are you uh, so the longest run i did was six hours followed by a four-hour run and then the following week was 4-4 four, four, and then during the taper week was 2-2 two, two, two hours yeah. that yeah. was my longest and it's measure, measuring time on feet not distance yeah or, not distance yeah. Uh, time on feet it seems to work well mm-hmm. seems to work well because I was uh, I just ignored the distance just based it fully on uh, on time seems yeah. to work very well do, do you monitor your heart rate no. whilst you don't at all I don't I, I, was, I tried to monitor it before but I just gave up just yeah. came out, didn't work for me. Yeah. So now I just go based on perceived effort. It seems to work very well for me right now, perceived, yeah. based on perceived effort. How did you first set out your perceived effort though? Because obviously as you, yeah, it's because there's a few different ways you can do it. You can do it in terms of your, your hard and, uh, and easy runs. So you can do it by heart rate or you can do it by your pacing and yep. you can do it by perceived effort. Yeah. Um, but how do you know, you, me- you mentioned a scaling of zero to 10. Yeah. So how do you know when you're seven or when you're four? Okay, so if you, uh, there's a book by Jason Coop, How to Train for Ultra Marathon. So in the book, he explains four is where you have, you can, you and I can talk story, you know, just conversation like that. Yeah. This con- that just goes you on and on and on. Five is a conversation pace, you know, uh, every maybe every 10, 15 sentences, I got to catch my breath. Yeah. So six, seven is maybe two to three sentences only. That means your heart rate is probably about 160, 165. After yeah. that is beyond that is you can't converse anymore. So yeah. that's the so how I do it while I'm running. If I'm going on a steady a steady state seven, I'll speak out loud. Yeah. If I can say two to three sentences, that means I'm on the right correct yeah. <laughs> correct pace. 160, 170 maybe my heart rate is. 
interesting and yeah. do you I, I've seen you out on the trails quite a bit running in groups yeah, and yeah. so do you how much of your training do you running with uh, with other people and how much do you do uh, going solo out there so this group is uh, it's all former ex-commandos yeah all had midlife crisis like me <laughs> uh, two years ago we formed this group fitness family so they all decided to come and join me for a run so usually when I'm training for a race I'll start earlier like 4am or 5am and then I'll link up with the group and then we just carry on with them and then they'll finish up, they'll have a breakfast, I'll carry on after that. So that's how I do So usually weekends, I'll plan a program for them to train. And over the years, the group has become bigger and they've been participating in a lot more races and they're getting stronger, I'm very happy. Yeah, yeah. how many people, so the, the fitness family, talk to us. Uh, oh uh, man, we that. have almost about 40 over people. Ah, so really? All ex-commandos, uh, maybe five or six are non-commandos, 40, 40, 40-ish, 40-ish. Yeah. in their mid 40s 40s to 50 so yeah, just they've been doing quite a number of races surprisingly i'm surprised they just a couple of them just signed up for kowloon kong last night oh the big the, the chinese yeah. utmb yeah chinese utmb next year so they're going up to kowloon kong i'm trying to convince a few of them to go to do northburn 100 miler with me next year so let's see uh, what 100 miler uh, northburn 100 mile north new zealand ah okay. okay yeah is that in the south island is it yeah, South Island. Christchurch is South Island, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 How did it all come together then? How did you... Uh so, I, we used to have a small group. You know, just a small group of guys. We used to train together. Yeah. And then this small group, they had another group that used to train separately. So, somehow from this small group, his name is Norris, knew the other guys from the other group and decided to bring everybody together. So, one weekend we just gathered. They asked me to conduct a training. So we did a I remember the first training we did was in Mount Faber. Everybody died. I thought that's it, this group is going to be disbanded <laughs> after the first training session. Because the you next killed day, them in the first session. Yeah, and they were complaining they can't walk, they can't do anything. <laughs> so I have a circuit in Mount Faber where you run up the stairs, come down, do burpees and squats, and then climb again. So just to build their whole engine and uh, legs and everything. But I killed them. But some, the following weekend I said, let's do something more, a bit more easy. But then when the following weekend came, the group became bigger. And then it just built up from there. I think, and, and I must say, they, they are very motivated. Very motivated. Yeah. Uh, every day they are training, finding different ways of to train and understand themselves. Yeah, and they've supported you on quite a few of your races, yeah, yeah. right? So quite a few of the crew have come out for Hong four Kong trails yeah. both years. Twice. Right? <laughs> both years, yeah. yeah. And so so moving on to that, because uh, I think that was the... Do you know what, actually? I, I think I, I actually met... I remember where I met you first now. I met you on a flight over to Lombok, to, uh, racing Rinjani. Rinjani yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that would have been... That would have been 2018. Yeah, May 20... May last yeah, year. Yeah, correct. And uh, and yeah, bumped into your plane, said hello, and then obviously because oh, yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd seen you yeah. do the four trails then, and we were both doing the sixty uh, sixty five, sixty k that yeah, year, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that first year, twenty eighteen, that you uh, that you did for when did you first decide to to give it a crack? Uh, the first year when I knew about Hong Kong four trails was uh, when Jerry did it. I think twenty sixteen. Yeah, I saw a Facebook post. She was packing some white stuff, and then I asked her, "What are you tra- What are you doing?" Packing I, I, some white stuff. I yeah. said, what is this white stuff? She said, oh, this is Tailwind, a new nutrition. I said, oh, interesting. But what are you packing for? She said, Hong Kong Four Trails. I said, what is Hong Kong Four Trails? I said, why didn't you go find out? So I went to Google and I found out, whoa, this is interesting. All the Four Trails self-supported. I said, okay, maybe one day. One day I'll do it. And then 2017, actually, I wanted to do it. But the year before, I did the... What is it? I did a Great Southern Endurance Run in Melbourne. 
so I injured my ankle. So I dropped the email to Andre saying I had to pull out of the race for 2017 because I injured my ankle. They say fine. And at this point, what's the longest you'd run? Because you'd done 100 milers, but had you run had you done any further than that, or is that? Yeah, the Great Southern Endurance Run was 180k. Okay. Yeah, uh, that was a tough one as well along the Alpine Trail. That was tough. You guys should do it. Yeah, I, that's yeah, actually that's the, the one um, that starts uh, from a Buller Mount Buller to Bright. Yeah, and this year the the it's lady that org- uh, Candice Burt won the female one this year. I think the lady that organises the Triple Crown oh. in the uh, races in the U- in the US. I think she raced it this year. But um, yeah, it sounds like a tough one. But yeah. Um, so yeah, 2017 you d- you had actually signed up for uh, four trials. <laughs> Not many people know about this. Yeah. And then 2018, I said I told my wife I'm going to do this. She said okay support me so 2018 I signed up I I didn't know what to expect so I went up there rocked up and then just did the trails and then suffered quite a bit didn't recce the route got lost tremendously I know and so you'd, you'd run in Hong Kong before because you'd done Lantau but yeah so you didn't you didn't recce the route you, you didn't know, really know what you were getting into yeah I, I recce the route but didn't do a thorough recce okay didn't do a thorough recce like what I did for last year or this year so I did some some parts of the route recce downloaded GPX and everything but still got lost badly uh, spent a lot of time trying to find my way back on the trails. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. I say hilarious because I like I like I enjoy being on the trails. Yeah, yeah getting lost. I'm assuming is I assume is part and parcel of of trail running anyway. So that taught me I that taught me a good lesson uh, to be a bit more serious on Hong Kong for trails. So and what was your what was your time that first year? 74 hours. Yeah, I remember you came in because that year, and just as a reminder to people that don't know, the four trails is the four long trails of Hong Kong, fully self-supported, 298 kilometers, <laughs> and 14,500 meters elevation, non-stop, yeah. no sleep. Uh, like when you when you repeat all again, it's like why would you even think about it? Um, but that that first year that you did it, I, I remember you. Uh, because uh, that year they were doing like Facebook Live when people came into yeah. the finish line and you came in with Will Haywood, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, Will yeah. Haywood. <laughs> yeah, when he had his like weird like... Yeah. Uh, and that had only started like I think a couple of kilometres before the end. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, that was interesting because I was coming down the Lantau slope and then I saw this guy. I said, who's this tall lanky guy with the neck at one side? What's happening to him? So I thought, let's go and see what's happening to him. So I went up to him, I asked him, are you all right? Say I'm fine, but he seems to be running towards the drain. So I said, let me run next to you, just in case. You know, we're going to finish this. Let's, let me just guide you and then let's finish this together, man. And then I just ran together with him to finish it. Oh, mate, that's very cool. Yeah, <laughs> it was great seeing you both get over, yeah. yeah, get to the green post box at the same time. Yeah, yeah so from there, I, I, I've learned quite a lot about myself. I mean, I realized, I realized self-supported is a different ball game. I had, a bit, I had to be a bit more serious on training and training on a fasted state and everything. So come to 2018, last year, I changed the way I trained and I did more specific training, like a lot more climbing, a lot more dialing in my nutritional stuff. And I spent about five days with Elvin Peng in Hong Kong to recce the routes again to ensure that I don't get lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's really interesting. Because I think when <coughs> you did obviously survive it, there was a 75-hour cutoff that year. Was it 75 hours yeah, that yeah, year? Yeah, 75. Um, and yeah, so I think with any race where you don't finish it or out DNF or even any race that you finish, just yeah. learning about what you can do differently or how you can improve for the next attempt or even just your next race. So from that first 
uh, the first uh, attempt and the four trails. What you mentioned, wrecking the route, doing more hill training, nutrition, and also a lot more running as well, running on roads. Because yeah. I realized Hong and Kong and the catchwater and yeah, things like that. I realized the first one I didn't have the running legs. I had the climbing legs, but no running legs. So I did a lot more road running uh, in Singapore, way more than I that I want to. But it was a necessity for me to complete the four trails. So a lot mm. more running. So I could run a lot more when the when I started the Hong Kong four trails. Yeah, yeah. that was the that was the I, in my mind that's the key difference that that made me yeah almost closer to my target. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because uh, after me attempting it last year, I only pretty much did road running because just time frame, I had to use the commute as my training and I actually think that I didn't do enough hills. Mm. And I remember seeing your training, you were uh, still up at Bukatima and Faber constantly getting yeah. in the elevation. Yeah, um, yeah but plus, plus, I mean, Hong Kong four trails, you're not allowed to use poles. Yeah, yeah so that, that adds a lot of pressure a lot of stress on your legs and everything. I had to condition that as well. So my climbing and my running, I think, yeah, that helped quite a bit. So you would have used, you used poles in the first year? Um, yeah, I used poles that on the you first attempted year. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I used yeah. poles on the first year. But after that, yeah, because he then, Andre decided poles makes people too easy and then no more poles. Yeah, but so I think the key difference I made was my nutrition and uh, a lot more road running that helped me get closer to my target. Yeah. And the nutrition change was to just simplify it yep. to tailwind and and yum, and yum, yum, yum butter. butter. Yeah. Yeah. I just simplified the whole process and uh, yeah, just simplified the whole process. So even when you got to the end of each trail in between them and you you have your support team, yeah, it, so you I were still stayed in the same nutrition. No, no, I had some additional food but no cooked food. Yeah. Uh, more hot food like for example oats, chocolate, a lot more water, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, I realized I can sustain for longer duration with very little food and still perform at a considerable performance yeah yeah you mentioned about fasted so you were doing most of your yeah. morning runs without eating yeah, or correct. most of my morning runs were without food yeah. yeah like the six hours run I six hours run that I was training for for dragon's back I, I had nothing just tailwind that's about it sometimes I even just train with water only not, not even tailwind yeah, just yeah. to see how my body reacts and everything yeah. yeah. What's uh, before we get into the most recent four trials? What do you do around nutrition, just on a daily basis? Like what? What sort of uh, yeah? What so, sort of food do you? Okay, what's your so diet? On a daily basis, I'm pretty clean. I, I don't indulge in much uh, fried food. So I prepare my meals. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner is at home. Yeah. So breakfast is usually eggs and bacon with some avocado. Lunch is salad with salmon, and then dinner is usually chicken and salad. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So pretty much like a. Uh, a high high fat low yeah, carb diet yeah, pretty would you much say yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you like count your macros no, I or I don't I tried but I failed miserably and yeah. it was too time consuming so I went on my field I said okay today I'm feeling pretty good full I'm feeling good and in terms of energy I'm feeling good sense of energy so I just keep within that, 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 that portion sizes mm. yeah have you, ever, have you ever done fuel efficiency tests no. to see what your fat no. burning is like no never, never. yeah so I supplement it with a couple of vitamins as well. I take uh, like uh, protein shakes, uh, whey protein isolate, uh, plus uh, magnesium pills. Mm, what else? Multivites. Yeah. And is that is that based on an, on testing you've done to know that you're just just a feel again? Just a feel again. Yeah. 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 But it seems to work. So yeah, it seems to work. I don't yeah. like to break something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and with that, I suppose you haven't uh, you. 
you haven't had many injuries since you've changed your training yep. to go slower and, yeah. and, and and has your diet changed massively i know yeah. you were 80 kilos so it must yeah, have changed yeah, a bit it since has, then it has changed tremendously i mean i used to eat anything and everything out there because my excuse was i'm training so hard i can eat anything yeah. and everything yeah. then i realized i felt so you know i couldn't recover on time i felt so lethargic like this week you know i'm just eating everything and anything i feel so lethargic yeah. feel so heavy now I'm back to my normal diet. Yeah. I feel good. You know, my stomach is not so bloated. Feels good, and yeah. I'm able to recover faster as well. Sleep better. So massive difference. Yeah. Eating yeah. all the fried stuff and everything. Oh, yeah. Massive difference. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you as well. I've um I've been you on, are a, on a high fat diet. Aren't you? Yeah, I've been on a high fat diet for uh, over two years now, yeah. and I, the same. So I was in I was in San Francisco for work a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. I had uh, it was my birthday, so I had a night. I was just like, right, I want to go crazy, and I was eating. I, we had like uh, cookies in the office. And I had like birthday cake, and then went out for dinner and had pasta and had like a tiramisu, and like, I had just ate loads of. And that night, I woke up in the middle of the night, and then I was just like. Oh, something's not right and then yeah. I just spent the next five hours throwing up yeah. and actually like I don't think I had a bug it was just my body going what the <laughs> hell have you just done yeah. to me this is not and it's so bad and I came to realize actually that I, I, when I eat bad food and I feel like really not feel great that's generally how I always felt before but it was just that was what the mark was and I think that's what most people when they eat really bad food it's like well this is just where it is and it's the not until you you change your diet and eat really clean that you realize ah oh, okay I, I could feel so much better if I just uh, cut out all the bad processed carbs and, and fry food yeah but I'm, 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 I think I'm very lucky as well because my wife Caroline she supports me she prepares all the meals for me yeah, yeah. Um, from lunch and dinner so breakfast I do it myself so she's, she also follows a similar diet slightly different but she still follows the same diet the only indulgence I have is chocolate cake. anything chocolate I just drool like, ah, chocolate, chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> dark chocolate is good though chocolate. 85% dark chocolate is the way to go yeah. um, and so uh, and then you so you came back for the Hong Kong Four Trails the second year and you put in an absolutely amazing yeah, show I did, right I, did, but I guess not enough yeah <laughs> not enough I, I'm, I'm disappointed of course so the 60 hour is the breaking 60 is yeah. the mark and and this year you got in at uh, 63 64. yeah 64 i got a penalty because i, I missed a turn at a hong kong trail i think uh, uh, andre actually messaged me and then he asked me hey abby do you know you made a wrong turn i said do i did i then he showed me the gpx file so oh yeah so he gave me a penalty of one hour which is fair which yeah is fair, yeah which is fair um yeah so yeah, disappointed. I think my wife is disappointed as well. <laughs> uh, second year, Chinese New Year is burned. So she's disappointed. And, my and because she knows you're going to have to go back and do it again. Yeah. Yeah. So she's disappointed. I'm disappointed. But I'm... Yeah, I'm... Yeah. I'm disappointed as well. <laughs> Let's keep it there. I mean, do you, do you feel like there was as much you can learn from that one? This, I mean, you were so, yeah, much, yeah. You were so much closer this time. You kind of could have just been... Could have been a different day and you could have got there, I guess. Yeah, I think... There's still some learning to do. I think I was uh, fuffing around at the check at my support crew points. There were some points where I, my support crew asked me to fuck off, but I decided I need to rest longer. I think I should have just listened to them and mm. moved my butt out. Because yeah. I said, let me rest a bit longer. They said, no, you've got to move now. I said, a bit more, a bit more. <laughs> I think that a bit more took up just, you know, aid in, if you accumulate the time, you just aid into everything else. So sometimes I just got to trust my support crew, especially my wife. So will you be back next year? I don't know yet. I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, yet. yeah, it's a big commitment. Yeah, isn't it is it? a big commitment. Next year is uh, end January as well. 
Yeah. yeah Chinese New Year is way earlier. And it's a big commitment. Yeah. And do you yeah. think, I mean, this ties into the training we were talking about. Do you think being in Singapore is a disadvantage for training for this sort of thing? Or do you, or do you feel like actually that you're making excuses if you say that? And I mean, if you think it's a disadvantage, it's a disadvantage. But I think, like you said, it's an excuse for most people. I mean, there's many ways to skin a cat. And if you find ingenious way of training, mm -hmm. I think being in Singapore gives you the added advantage because it gives you the motivation and drive to achieve a lot of stuff that other people are mm -hmm. achieving. Of course, we say if you are comparing yourself with people living in Europe, you can you can never be as good as them. But you can compete at least to go up there and do DNF saying that you know because I live in Singapore is a rather lame excuse for me because I speak to a lot of ultra runners who come and talk to me. You know, say hey, you know. I DNF this, I DNF this, I did not expect this race to be so tough. And then I ask, the first question I ask them is, why did you sign up for Ultra? And they say, mm, because I want to complete. But did you think it's going to be easy? No. So you knew it's going to be tough, right? And then you come and tell me it is tough. What the f <laughs> don't sign up for the race. I mean, that's how I feel. Yeah. So that's how I always tell my friends as well. You sign up because you know Ultra Marathon is going to be tough. It's going to push you to your limits. No matter how fast, how slow you're going to go. If you're going slow, it's even worse because you're going to be out there through the 24 hours, 48 hours. It's going to be painful for you, right? So you need to condition your body and your mind. So train hard in Singapore. This is the resources that we have. If you need to go up Bukit Timah 100 times, 20 times, do it because that will get you through the finishing line. And then, you know, nutrition is very important. Sort out your nutrition in Singapore, not race day. And then, oh, I need this gel, that gel, but training, I did not use all this stuff. And then you come and tell me, oh, I had the issue. And then uh, I ask you questions again. Oh, because I tried a new gel. There you go. So, yeah, so I think people do use that as an excuse. I mean, that's my own personal opinion. I mean, because I guess you could argue that, you know, it's, hard to it's harder to train for the, the elevation. But on the other hand, people coming over from Europe to do four trails, they're not used to the heat, the yeah. humidity. You get that training pretty well here yeah yeah james paul who's a, like top ultra runner from the uk he really struggled with oh, the yeah, heat. Yeah. i don't know if yeah. you remember I on remember the four him. trails yeah, that yeah, yeah. i went past him at the uh in stage three and he was at the, he just got to the top and he's just sitting there throwing up and i was like oh dear that's not a good place to be at this stage yeah. of the having said that you pulled through that the, uh, the dragon's back but when you know it's through suffering from the heat and not being able to hold down water if you're already dehydrated and throwing up you're in for a uh well i was gonna say a long night pretty sure it's uh, easy to yeah, do i know how that. it feels now <laughs> yeah 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 but still as i say that wasn't you weren't the heat it was obviously warm in in, uh, in wales but it wasn't um yeah, yeah, yeah it wasn't as compared to hong kong it's nowhere near yeah yeah, yeah. so so you didn't you know you, f you finished dragon's back which is amazing despite the challenges you said you, you've DNF'd, you DNF'd UT Australia. Uh, yeah. And is that, the only, is that the only DNF or have no, you had more? No, Northburn. Northburn, okay. 100 miles. And so, so talk us through a few of those. Or what's uh, okay, so the first DNF was uh, Ultra Trail Australia. So I DNF at the 50k mark. So I had a, somehow or other I had an ITB pain. I don't know why I got that. But uh, at the 50k mark, I just couldn't run at all. So what that was my, I handled the DNF very badly because it was my first ever DNF. I handled it so badly that I was supposed to come back two days later after the race. I called my wife. I said, can you book a flight for me next day? I want to come back. So she booked the flight. I came back because I didn't know how to handle a DNF. 
I was so bad. Just the, the disappointment yeah, of the, it. Yeah, the okay. whole disappointment of it. And I came back, was miserable for a month. I just didn't want to see anyone. I said, don't disturb me. <laughs> I was utterly disappointed. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I was miserable. And so what did you do to, to overcome that misery? I just got out to run again. And I got out to run again, met up with my friends again, started running again. And then it slowly, slowly I got over it. And then, yeah, I just got better from there. But were you, were you, were you disappointed that you'd, you didn't finish or were you disappointed because you think you, you could, you know, it sounds like you didn't really have a choice, but do you, were, you, were you disappointed because actually you think I could have pushed on a bit more or not? I was disappointed I could not finish and I was disappointed because when I finished the first 50k, I was about six and a half hours. Okay, if I knew I didn't have the ITB, of course, I could have done in a good timing. But then, yeah, so the ITB and I knew I couldn't continue because the medic checked my leg. So I changed my shoe, put straps and everything. So started to run again. I just couldn't put my right leg down. Just every step was a pain. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. And so then the the second DNF you had oh. was the one in New Zealand. Yeah, second DNF is something that I asked for myself. I say that because before the DNF, I had a bit of Achilles problem, left Achilles issues. So when I already signed up for the race, everything has been paid for. I say. I'll just try to wink it, you know, just go and do the 100 mile and let's see how it goes. So the, it's a three loop course. It's a three loop course. You come back to the same uh, main start point yeah. after each loop. So, so the first 50k, I did about seven hours. Is this self-navigation? No, no, it's not. It's no, a, there is one in South New Zealand that is uh, like a real a navigation loop. It's a bit, it's kind of like the Bar- uh, Barclay okay. sort, uh, of, uh, okay. sort of loop. But yeah, I forget the name of it, but... Um, but sorry, so you went, um, yeah, sorry, so back okay, to your story. Okay, so it's a three loop course, three different loops. So each loop will bring you back to the start point. Right, so the first loop I did about seven hours plus, which is about 70k. So second loop I did about maybe eight hours plus, pretty all right. Then I actually started to act up on me and then I came back and my wife realized that I was slowing down towards the end part. She asked me what's happening. I said, my Achilles is giving me a bit of problem. She asked me, do you still want to continue? I said, let me just sit down here for a while. Let's see how it goes. And then I decided, enough. I'm not going to push on to make it worse. So that one I handled pretty and where, well. Where were you there? That was like, what, 70 miles in or something? 100K. 100K, yeah. yeah. So I still yeah. had another 60 plus to go. But yeah. I decided not to push it further to make it worse because I knew I had a few more other races down uh, down the year. So then how, and then how did you respond to that after, after you know, basically kind of shutting the door on everyone for a now, month after the first one, handled, one? This one you're okay. Yeah, this one I was okay. I uh, handled it better, better because kind of like mentally I was prepared mm. that I may have to make this decision because of the Achilles issue and yeah, yeah I was met, better prepared to handle this emotionally and mentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I didn't shut away everyone, I didn't decide to come back the following <laughs> day. Yeah. That's really I guess, I guess, sorry. So I guess I was a bit more matured into yeah. ultra running already so I was better able to handle this. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so I mean, the the experience on Dragon's Back was very different because it wasn't it wasn't well, it was physical, but it wasn't a it wasn't an injury. Yeah, it was just you know, you, I guess it was sort of mental that you would, you could push yeah, through it. Yeah, I mean, Dragon's Back, the thought occurred, the thought the thought did occur to me yeah. to press the emergency button to be evacuated. But then I, I I I decided I need to switch off all the emotional attachment, and then look at the task at hand, and it's at, and evaluate where I was at that stage. And I said, if I can clear these two hills, I'm back to my support point. I can have a good night's rest and then reassess the following day and I'll push on. So that kind of, the task at hand 
motivated me to push on uh, the last two hills and then go back to the third day finish line breaking it down yeah. into manageable chunks yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's what i did cool so abby moving on to a few more like quick fire questions yeah. then uh what what makes you emotional I don't know. I was pondering about this question. I don't know. I said, I really don't know what makes me emotional. I mean, but how do you how do you feel? Perhaps at that, like, how did you feel finishing Dragon's Back? Was that something that you you looked forward to doing? The or only race I cried was after I finished my TDS. That's why any other races, I've never been emotional. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know. My friend got emotional after he finished. Uh, he was yeah. wailing. He was tearing. Yeah. I was happy. I was quite, I was just overjoyed finishing it. I don't know whether I'm just over emotional, but like I, if anyone w- watch a video of people running to a finish line or a race on <laughs> Facebook, whatever, I'm just like, oh, I got a lump in my throat. I'm just like, I can't hold back the tears. Um, any, uh, w- what's been, I suppose, what's been your biggest inspiration? My uh, dad, actually. Yeah. My dad. Uh, I say this because my dad is a first generation. I'm second generation. He came from India when he was about what. Uh, 30 plus years old with nothing just a couple of dollars on a ship to Singapore worked his way up opened a business as a tailor got married had me my two sisters yeah he's my inspiration from a man who had nothing from India came to Singapore and he's something now is he an athlete too? no no he's not he's not have you you raced back in India? have you done any races over in India? okay never in India maybe for the bucket list Yeah. yeah maybe any uh, any books uh, that you uh, yeah, have sourced the inspiration book, from? Um, what's it called? Grit, the power of passion and perseverance, by Ashley Ashley Duckwood, Duckwood Duckwood. Yeah, interesting. I just started reading. It's yeah. about grit. How she defines grit. Interesting. Yeah. And have there been any books that have been really um, inspirational to you in terms of your ultra running career, or, or or even for a work perspective, or one that you go to as a as a source uh, of inspiration? Not really. I think I like to read books are a bit more factual, like uh, How to Train for Ultra Marathon by Jason Cook. The yeah. other one is a uh, Uphill Athlete. Uphill Athlete. There's the other latest book by. That's the Killian one, uh, right? Killian's yeah. Book. So yeah, these yeah. two books, I like to read a bit more data. That's more the science behind yeah, how science to train for that sort of thing. Yeah, right? those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. So those kind of books. And what about um, what about kit? So you said you were running in Solomon shoes ah, that when was you did that. TMBT. What do you, what do you wear now? Uh, uh, North Face. Okay. So I wear North Face now. Uh, quite nice shoes. The new uh, new flight flight series shoes. Pretty impressive shoes. I use them for Dragon's Back. Very good shoes. One pair for the whole five days. Uh, no, I had two pair. One was the uh, Innovate Rock Light Two Seven Five. So I used that for the first day because the terrain was technical. Second day, I went back to North Face. Second, third, fourth day, North Face. Because the sh- after the third day, the shoe was just gone. I mean, wet, dirty and everything. And then the last day, I used back the Innovate Rock Light. Yeah. Mm. Any other kit below $100 that you uh, is a go-to for you? T8 Commando. Yes. Ah, yes. Okay. That's a good kit. That's Hong, good. Hong That's Kong's own brand, piece. yeah. Of kit, I used yeah. that for the whole of a dragon's back. I have five five pieces of that, and just purely the sort of underlayer that go under the shorts. Yeah, underlayer and the outer layer, TH shorts and the commando underlayer. These two, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the pockets and everything integrated onto the shorts, it's just brilliant. Just shove everything in. Even the uh, UK guys will. Oh, that's a wonderful, beautiful shot. It's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, they were impressed with that because I was taking out my phone, my map, yeah. my gels and stuff. Oh, that's a wonderful shot, and my wonderful pink color socks as well. <laughs> 
<laughs> what are the socks? Uh, Ashmi. Okay. It's a cycling brand, but I think okay. they are trying to venture into yeah. running as well. Yeah, they are wonderful yeah. because they made of merino and carbon. So I didn't get any blisters from it. So yeah. five days I had five different colors. Yeah, they're not f- they're not fingers. They're not, they're not the toe socks. Sorry, they're not the toe socks. Yeah, yeah. They're not the toe socks. Um, any quotes that you go to? So one of the quote I, I can't remember who says this. So if you're gonna if you're gonna die, like if you're gonna die, do you want to die in a well-preserved state or in a badly bashed up body? So I always go back to this quote. So I say I don't want to die in a well-preserved state. I'm dead. So I'd rather be dead in a well-bashed up. Body. Use the body while you have it. Yeah, use the body while you have it. <laughs> My wife thinks I'm crazy, but I think, yeah, that's what I do to me, do to myself. Abby, you keep yourself in pretty good shape, mate. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks. And then what about, um, what's on the list for, for the next year? What are the big... Oh, okay, the big one, I want to go back and do Northburn. Northburn, yeah. 100 miles. Uh, the other one I'm looking at is uh, Ultra Trail Monte Rosa. Okay. What one's that? Uh, Ultra Trail Monte Rosa by Lizzie Hawker. Okay. Uh, in France, France, yeah, France, I think. Yeah, these two, these two big ones. And what sort of distance is that? One hundred and seventy with about eleven thousand meters elevation gain. Around the Alps, obviously, yeah. or is it Pyrenees? Okay. Uh, around the Alps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's you've got you've got the two thirty in yep, Changrai later this year. Yeah, later this year. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm working up towards there. Is uh yeah you're going to be catching up with Jag up there? I'm sure he'll yeah. be. Uh, I think he won that last yeah, year or something, he didn't he? Yeah, he set a record. I think thirty-seven hours. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's getting faster and faster. He just won the H1 this H1, year as well. Right, yeah. H1, yeah. yeah. I think, uh, yeah, in, t- in um, 28 hours. Yeah, 28 hours. Yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. it was 20, 24, but yeah, no, he did 28 hours. Yeah, yeah which is, but he smashed the field as well. Yeah, yeah he did amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Abby, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Really good to have you on, and I'm glad that we, uh, uh, we got you on so soon after the Dragon's yeah. Back. <laughs> and... Uh, we're actually heading up to Red Dot Running now as well, aren't we? Tomo, Tomokazu Yahara-san's in, uh, in town. Yeah. He's going to be sharing his story of, the, uh, of um, doing his fun run on the Barclays. But, yeah, it'll be good to see a lot of the running crew up there. Yeah, but, we're good. Yeah, good to, good to have you join us. Good yeah, to see you, Yeah, thanks for Rick. taking the time, Abby. Thank um, you, guys. I mean, it's uh, wonderful to sit down here and chat and share how I feel about Dragon's Back especially. And I hope... I seriously hope 2021 registration is going to open next year. I hope some crazy Singaporean will sign up for it and get the adventure of their life. Yeah, I think you've set the set the stall out now, and that's what it's about, right? Is inspiring others yeah. to to, and I can sense that from you that you know with the fitness family and and to inspire us, and also with your 400 Gurkhas that are, that are you work with, inspiring them to to do races and stuff as well. So, yeah, hopefully there'll be a few people that sign up off the back, and maybe a few people sign up for the four trails uh, next year after yeah. being inspired by your. Uh, your two survival runs thanks Scott cool. thank, you. thank you very much guys thanks, thanks, cheers cheers like the truthful story if they ever ask stop the complaining cause things ain't that bad hey Mr Rick Stockfish how you doing sir good Scott how are you I'm 
okay i'm okay i've spent the last 72 hours on my deathbed with man flu and so now i've just resurfaced on a on a public holiday that's what all uh, uh going for a run with abby and uh tomo might do to you yeah yeah, yeah that's it i was um well, it was funny because on, on the Friday night, we had, as soon as, because after um, our interview with Abby, we went, um, I, Abby and I went along to, to Jerry's store, to Red Dot Running, to see Tomo do a, a, a talk uh, around his uh, ultra running experience. It was brilliant. Really, really good to see him present that. But uh, but Jerry had a had a surgical mask on and she's like wandering around. She's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm poorly. I'm sick. And uh, it turns out I've got the same thing that she had and I've not been able to make it out of bed for three days and she was still like running around her shop organizing events <laughs> I think that, sh- that that says a lot about um about her stamina unlike, unlike Tomo who then went on and did sundown marathon that night and then or the, well, the night after I guess the Saturday night and then joined us for a half marathon recovery run on the yeah, I mean, I hope he hasn't got the flu as well. But yeah, certainly he he came into Singapore to to run. And Tomo, for for those that haven't um, listened to our first podcast, check it out. Tomo Kazuhara san, the uh, legend of the Hong Kong Four Trails and Barclay, as as well as his hundred miles, hundred times. Um, but yeah, he was in Singapore representing his um, the taping brand, New Halle, yeah, New Halle, and. Uh, and so, yeah, he's distributing through Red Dot there. And they did a session um, advising people how to use it. But then he also did the presentation at Red Dot. And Jerry got him a slot down at Sundown Marathon. And he went to went to run it. Um, he did say, actually, he was like, yeah, I'm going to... Um, because I'm sure he would be like a good sort of 245, maybe. Um, so he was like, yeah, I'm going to do a sort of sub three is where I'm aiming for. But uh, but yeah, running marathons in Singapore, if you want to go for PBs, it's not the place to do it, is it? Well, that's it. And he got, so yeah, he finished about 3.30, I think, but uh, looked pretty spry and fit the next day. Yeah, we we uh, we dragged him out to do a run around uh, McRitchie and, and Bukatima. So we, we did a half marathon. He did a marathon on the... At, at night time followed by a, a half marathon at lunchtime um, but yeah he was in he was in pretty good shape and it's good to get out for a run with abby on it as well so uh, yeah that was a yeah fun abby's run. first run since his dragon's back experience yeah um again looked looked fairly fresh although took a tumble at bukatima having survived five days in the welsh mountains <laughs> yeah how funny is flat that on his face coming down some a mild set of stairs <laughs> so funny so yeah he's running on some of the most treacherous trail running terrain in like rocky and uh, fell running in in wales and then uh it doesn't slip over once so i think he had one slight um tumble in, in in wales but yeah comes back to singapore and then and then almost falls flat on his face grazes up his hands yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, he was. A, it was so good to chat with him, though. It's a really, uh, it, uh, he's a really impressive dude, isn't he? Yeah, and it's nice. You know, now we've done a few of these interviews. You start to see some themes emerge, and this idea of sort of people setting setting goals themselves. And I like his. You know, increasingly, he's attracted to races that no Singaporeans have done before. Um, you know, that are pushing his own boundaries, um, and also just the, the honesty that people are, are coming forward with, and, and willingness to share perhaps unpleasant experiences they've had or things they haven't really spoken about before. Um, I thought it was great the way he spoke, you know, very openly about how, just how disappointed and unhappy he was when he first DNF'd. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just great having a chance to talk to these people in, a, in, in this kind of informal way and find out more about their, their backstory. 
Yeah, and, and even uh, hearing about like he was in kind of gangs and, and whilst we've got to remember Singapore is like one of the safest places in the world. So like a gang in, in Singapore probably isn't like a gang in New York. But um, but at the same time, it was uh, I was chatting to him when we were running the other day uh, after and he's like all, all of his tattoos and everything. He got all those when he was in the gangs right. in Singapore and like his parents almost like disowned him for them and uh but yeah, I was just talking about how proud his parents, like you were saying, that his parents are really proud of all of the achievements now. Yeah, exactly. I think they, uh, he said initially they thought he was completely crazy and now they see he's just passionate and, and they are really proud of him. Yeah. What, what was also interesting is that uh, his very first ultra was, uh, was TMBT back in 2012, wasn't it? So when was it, 2012? Yeah, so TMBT, most beautiful thing in uh, Kinabalu. So I think yeah. we're... I finally signed up yesterday and um, I think today is today's a hundred day countdown. They've got a little timer clock on the website. I think today's a hundred days out. Right. So uh, it's time to, to step up the training. Yeah, it sure is. And, uh, and that sort of segues quite nicely into what you've been up to this week. We were supposed to do it together, but, um, but yeah, with my, with my man flu, you had to, to do it so, solo, but you went down to see Bennett coached um, and, uh, and did testing this week for fuel efficiency. Did fuel and efficiency and, and uh, lactate threshold. Lactate threshold. Yeah. yeah, and what was the uh, um, yeah? What was the reason for doing it in the first place? Or well, I mean, you'd, you'd spoken about it quite a bit, and I think um, just a, a number of different people had. Tomo said he's, I think, about to go for uh, tests himself this week, and it just seemed like an interesting way of looking at training differently, um, seeing where your performance is now, with the ability to then kind of look back in three months' time and see with a with a bit more of a structured training plan, what difference does that make to your your fitness levels, your ability to clear lactate. Uh, ability to burn fat um yeah just a, a a bit of a sort of fun self-experimentation project yeah yeah so we're gonna we're gonna have ben on the podcast uh in a in a couple of months time and him and his assistant will go through in detail the uh, the science behind it all but the the way i and i've, I've done it twice before already and really one of the key things around it is finding your training zones, so your heart rate zone to be able to to train at the right uh, pace in order to optimize your fat burning zones. So firstly, you're able to uh, to lose fat, which I mean, really, when you think about it, you don't, if as an endurance athlete, you don't really want to be carrying fat. It's, um, you want a certain amount that you can burn, but the more you can burn, the more efficient you're going to be because you'll be a, essentially even, I mean, when I started on doing, tr- uh, uh, working to heart rate zones on training. So for me, it worked out 145 beats per minute is what I've been training at. And, uh, and I went down to, three and a half percent body fat from yeah in the in the teens and even at that really low rate of body fat you still have enough to be able to go at that at the uh, at the fat burning zone to go for a very long time without bonking or without like falling off a cliff and your en- energy levels dropping off so um yeah it's really a it, i think it's a really good um methodology and we'll go a bit more into it but but yeah what are you what what did you learn from uh from the doing the testing and what have you what are you going to set out for well, the next, so, next hundred days so heart rate i think is is probably not dissimilar to yours uh, zone one will be 
below 150, something like that. Oh, no, I um, think it was, was uh, yes, yeah, 152. And yeah. actually, I, I was shocked by your result. I, I, no offense, yeah, but I was, uh, but, but no, I mean, I, I, um, I've been having a really low carb diet. And so that, that in itself will make it, um, and that should make it your fat burning far more prominent. But you've you have you haven't been having um, that kind of diet, but your fat burning was really really significant, which I was yeah I don't know I mean it, uh, Ben said it you know it could just be you're just genetically lucky with that sort of thing, um, but I mean the good news is it seems that um, there's there's already a decent ability to to burn fat, um, so I think it'll be a case of training by heart rate more, um, putting a bit of structure around the training, possibly even around meal times and things like that, and thinking a bit more strategically about that. Um, and then you know we're what we're 100 days so sort of 14 weeks out um and starting to ramp up the training and putting in a decent block of training before tmbt yeah yeah and um and your lactate threshold test was really impressive as well i think you were like 13.6 kilometers an hour yeah yeah i mean again i think um you know on a different day the results might have been different and and ben himself said you know he's had guys come in he had one guy come in who's in really decent shape um, but on his way in to do the testing, had bumped into a colleague, had a big row about something to do with work. So he was really stressed when he came in and his results were just all over the place and not what you'd have expected. Yeah. So Ben said to the guy, look, come back a couple of days time, do it again. And the results were completely different. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I yeah. if you've had a bad night's sleep or anything like that, or if you're overtrained or, or undertrained, or there's so many factors that can co- go into it. That's why you need, yeah. when doing the testing, you need to try and mimic exactly the same kind of environment as you've done in, in previous Yeah, times. and he was talking about the fact that, you know, you do a, do a marathon or something, or I guess anything over a marathon, and he, he, he reckons that will affect your results for up to three or four weeks after the, after the event, because it'll take a time for your body to get back, yeah. back to normal. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to to sharing the a bit more of the science behind uh, behind this testing, and then and then the training plans that that you can suggest off the back of it. I think one of the big things is the is the the Phil Maffetone. That's M A F E T O N E. Phil Maffetone has been one of the the biggest proponents of. Um, Sort of low um, uh, low intensity training, and he came up with the math test, which is where you do a, a six kilometer run at a low heart rate, and then you check that your um, your pay, your split times for each kilometer. Um, so I think that's this week has got to be on your uh, yeah. So I'm talking to Ben about it, and I mean he's he's kind of he was saying he's, he differs slightly. It's sort of Maffetone's at the far left of that that philosophy of training he's somewhere along the same end of the spectrum but not quite that far and his his feeling is that you know if you're if you're overweight and running for the first time the maftone method will get you the results if you're already in reasonably decent shape you'll get there but it just it could just take a really long time um if you only ever train at low intensity yeah um so i think a combination of the two and, and definitely doing that test and seeing where we are and just regardless of what the results are now just having that as a benchmark and seeing how it changes or doesn't change over the next few weeks. Yeah, yeah, and no, I tend to agree as well. I think that um, that once you, the low intensity is great for building the base, but you still need to be able to to have the the tempo runs in there, even well, it's, if it's finishing off a run. I've been trying to recently just finishing off all my runs with the last kilometer going all out. I mean, there's all these different theories, and, and it was interesting talking to Abby. So he doesn't track heart rate, but he he goes by perceived effort. Which actually is not that dissimilar, I guess. He's you know measured by how well you can hold a conversation or not, and how much you can 
you can say as you're running, which I think kind of probably correlates fairly closely with heart rate um, and effort, but um, just slightly less measurable. Yeah, that is. I found that really interesting. And actually, Ben talked to me about it before. He said, you almost need to balance your heart rate with perceived effort right. as well. Because as we've just talked about, if you're a bit stressed or you've had a bad night's sleep, then your heart rate will not be indicative of actually what rate where you should be training at so you need to sort of balance between the two um but yeah so interesting uh you're, you're preparing for a, a new child arriving uh in october as well yeah so, so it's it's first 100k first solo 100k and first uh or second baby yeah so um, you're you're gonna like get, get a nice big running before then you're not gonna be able to run again for another six months <laughs> you're gonna it. be under lock and key um but no that's um and the, the organizers of tmbt have been great about inviting us in to um take part in the race uh we'll do coverage at the event talk about it a bit more in the coming weeks and uh yeah hopefully have a lot more to share as we get closer yeah, and no, it's a really. I, I think it's. I love the the camaraderie around that race and the amazing volunteers, and it's got it's a really historic race in Asia. So, um, yeah, looking forward to uh, to racing that with you, and it will be my first hundred on a in a race environment solo as well. So, I'm uh, I'm actually looking forward to giving it a, bit, a good little nudge. Yeah. I think. Um, <clears throat> whilst I didn't do the testing this week, I'm going to definitely put a plan together for the next three months i'll probably do a math test with uh, this week as well and um and then yeah let's try and uh, um get training together and uh, and put in a put in a good effort in a in mid-september it's 15th so, of september right isn't it yeah so you're uh, off to uh, you're off to ibiza <laughs> the trails and the bars oh yeah i don't think there'll be much running being done there'll be a there'll be a bit of partying done yeah it's not ideal after spending three days with the flu but um yeah i'm sure um i'm sure i'll be able to get some vitamins down me to uh, to help help sort me out um but yeah should be good fun and then i'm off to straight off to san francisco after so um i'm in some, some crazy travel but um yeah in a couple of weeks time as well we've got um we've got maggie coming on um we were it was we were going to publish hers this week but we um we wanted to um get abby's uh abby's interview out whilst he was straight back from the dragon's back but maggie's been crushing it ever since we we met with her she's got two podiums just this weekend she just podium she just um uh, won the Hong Kong Spartan as well. She is flying at the moment. And is she coming back down for the one in Singapore in in August? I'm pretty sure she'll be back down in August. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She's um, she does all of the all of the Asian tour. Um, but yeah, I'm just like so so impressed with her. She's a she's an absolute beast. So yeah, looking forward to sharing hers in a, her interview in a, in a couple of weeks' time. But um, but yeah, good stuff. Well, good, Scott. Safe travels. Yeah, thanks, mate. I'll uh, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Cheers. The Endurance Asia podcast. Pick your red up because things ain't that bad. Maybe you should switch the target that you're aiming at. Believe perfection is a beast that they'll never catch. So never waste another day because life moves so fast. And a dream without pursuing, yo, they never last. Another shadow of regret I try to never cast. And always tell a truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad.